Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events. Welcome to the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. Here, we settle into the murky, tangled, and freaking hard parts of life to restore our relationship with the self so it can ripple out to the people we love, the work we do, and the world around us. If we can't fix what's wrong, then our grandchildren inherit it. In order to fix what's wrong, we have to talk about it. And we can't move that conversation forward if we're not willing to be real about where we are now. We have to push on the edges of what it means to connect. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, and I'm here to guide you through a series of radically honest conversations about what it means to be truly human in all of its messy, beautiful, hilarious, and heartbreaking glory. In our collective effort of looking inward, we're starting to do the outward work to reconnect the world. While these discussions will guide you into the connectfulness practice, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. If something in this episode touches you, reach out. That's where you initiate the ripple that restores relationships. You can learn more about my connectfulness counseling practice and our collective for therapists in private practice at connectfulness.com. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Coronavirus Online Therapy, a nonprofit organization with pending 501c3 status, whose mission is to deliver free or low-cost online therapy by licensed professionals in all 50 U.S. states to essential workers during the coronavirus pandemic. Coronavirus Online Therapy is also working to offer free workshops and CEUs with pandemic-specific topics to their network of psychotherapists. Its vision is to eliminate common obstacles such as the cost and accessibility that can prohibit clients from receiving services. If you're on the front line seeking a referral, if you're a therapist who'd like to join the initiative, or if you're interested in getting involved in another way, go to coronavirusonlinetherapy.org. In this episode, I'm talking with Eva Tenuto. Eva is the co-founder and executive director of TMI Project, a nonprofit organization offering transformative storytelling workshops and performances in which storytellers divulge the parts of their stories that they usually leave out. Since 2010, Eva has brought TMI Project from her living room to a host of performance spaces, high schools, colleges, detention centers, mental health facilities, theaters, and the United Nations. Eva is the editor and director of multiple solo shows, one of which was awarded the Best Comedic Script of 2014 in the United Solo Festival. Her directorial film debut, Vicarious Resilience, a docu-short, celebrated its world premiere at the Woodstock Film Festival in 2018. Her essays have appeared in assorted anthologies and at longreads.com. Learn more at evatenudo.com and tmiproject.org. Here's the show. Eva, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. I'm excited to talk to you again. So excited to be here with you today and to be having this conversation. And um, I'm wondering if we could just start by grounding our listeners and giving a little history of the TMI project uh, and letting everybody know 
what this program is and and why why it's so important, especially now. Yeah. Well, I'm, we've been around for ten years, and we are um, a nonprofit organization that uses true storytelling for social justice movement building and also to ignite human connection. Um, I think that part of our mission is the part that feels like it's really in focus for me right now. And um, it's the part that feels really important to me in this time that we're all separated from one another. But we help people tell the too much information parts of their stories. And we identify that as the parts that they usually leave out because they're too ashamed or embarrassed to share them. Um, That said, sometimes people think that if if you go through a TMI project workshop, you have to get up on stage and share everything. And that's not true. Um, The storytellers set their own boundaries and they share what they're comfortable with. And often um, there's a lot that they leave out that they share with the workshop, but that they don't share with the general public. Um, But they give their self permission to go through the process in the workshop to put everything on the page, give voice to everything Um, And then go through an editing process where they figure out what they feel comfortable sharing with the world. Um, And there's something that happens when, you know, you tell a well-crafted story about an experience where you as the main character changed in some meaningful way from beginning to end. Um, You went through some kind of transformation, a story that you probably had some shame about sharing. um, And, you know, probably more than anyone therapists know that shame um, wants us silent. That's its tool to keep growing and festering inside of us. And when you give voice to those experiences, it can't exist anymore. It just, it melts away. So um, one of the things that I'm privileged to see over and over and over again is watching people stand on stage, share their truth with with the world and walk off with, their head held a little higher and looking a little taller and lighter and then moving into the world with this new freedom because their shame isn't weighing them down anymore. You and I have had the opportunity to talk about this in so many different ways over the years. Um, I should mention that I am trained as a TMI facilitator um, and that I have gone through the process myself and um, helped to lead some of your workshops in the past. So I, I, when I say this is dear to my heart, I, I really mean that this process is incredibly dear to my heart. I felt it on a very personal level. I've watched others go through it. Yeah. Um, and you and I have talked in the past about this kind of, I'm going to call it a phenomenon. I, I don't know what, other, what else to call it right now. Um, but this amazing part of the process where once you, once you tell a story that, that has been with you for a long time in ways that you've held it in, in shame and in trauma and, and it's been a difficult story. But once you tell it, something in the telling of it shifts. Yeah, that is absolutely true. I think um, one thing that I've witnessed over and over is, um, I, you know, if, if there's pathways in the brain to a trauma experience when before you tell the story, the pathway just goes straight to the experience. And especially if you've never talked about it before, and let's say the thing happened when you were younger. So you're also uh, processing it and I going through your thought process around it from maybe more of a child mind. 
Um, you don't get to have adult critical thinking with you because you never, your adult voice never gave voice to it. Um, so your thinking around it is limited. You can't have the same ideas about it that maybe your adult self could have. When you go through the process and you tell the story and you go through the experience of stepping on stage and being with your peers who also went through the workshop and they stepped on stage and everyone feels so bonded as a result of sharing that experience. And then the audience comes up to you after and they thank you and you've changed them in some way and they feel inspired by you. And you just have like all of this, um, all of these positive feelings about going through that experience what I find for myself anyway, when I've gone through this, because I've told a number of stories now, now when I think back to that experience, there's something that's blocking the trauma path with something positive so that I'm not going back to that raw place that hurts so much. There's something else in the middle. And so it doesn't mean it goes away. It doesn't mean that it heals every single wound or makes it just disappear but it makes me feel like I'm capable of experiencing it differently and that it doesn't feel as alive anymore. It doesn't feel like it's still currently hurting me. Because there's this new memory that has formed and shaped and kind of intercepts. It, it right. comes in and it says, oh, well, remember the time we told the story? And when we told that story, people didn't shame us. Like they, they thanked us for telling the story and and they said, oh, something like that happened to me too. And I'm so glad for the perspective you gave to this. And those kinds of memories are now coupled yeah. with this yeah. old trauma. Yeah. And when you don't give voice to something, you just keep it to yourself. There's so much fear that goes along with that, right? Like if people find out this thing about me, whatever the thing is, we all have a thing. Um, and that's what makes us identify with the storytellers, even if we haven't gone through the exact same circumstances, yes. we all have something, we all have something that we're like, if, if the general public finds this thing out about me, they're going to judge me so hard and I'm not going to be able to get over it. And I have to protect that. And I can't give voice to that. And so I'm going to hold on to it and be tense around it and limit my life experience by holding it. It, it just, it clogs us so badly. Um, it really, it feels to me like it's um, energy that ends up stopping all of this other potential that could happen um, if it's released. So I know I had an experience. I, the storytellers that I work with always make me a braver writer and storyteller, but I went through a number of TMI project workshops. And in the beginning, we used to write stories every single time we taught a workshop. Um, we didn't expect we were going to teach as many of them as we did. So we couldn't keep that up indefinitely, but we used to do that. Um, and I told a lot of stories about a lot of secrets that I had kept. But one thing that I was still holding close to myself was that I was, I went through um, really extreme bullying when I grew up. I was really ostracized. I dealt with public humiliation every day in school. I stopped talking. I was super shy and it was so painful for me, just the constant fear of leaving my house, getting on the bus, knowing I was going to be made fun of from the time I stepped on the bus until the time I got home and couldn't do anything about it. I did not want anyone to know I was that kid. Yeah. I did not want that getting out. And then somebody took the workshop who told a story about being bullied when they were younger. And I heard my story and her story. And her bravery in sharing it was contagious. 
and made me feel brave enough to tell that story. And I got to let go of it. And I think about that now from an adult perspective, knowing that there are girls, young girls who are going through that right now. And if I couldn't get brave enough to share that story and let go of it, I would not be available to help them. Mm. So it really, um, I feel like I, I get to experience a lot from watching other people go through the process. And I've also experienced a lot from going through it myself. Yeah. 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 So we're all living through this pandemic right now. And one of the things that that means for the TMI project is that your in-person workshops are not really happening. No, we had to, um, like many organizations, um, we have had to cancel all of our in-person workshops and all of our live performances. And up until three weeks ago or a month ago, that was all we did. I mean, we also had, we just launched a podcast. So we do have the TMI Project podcast. And that had been in the works. And we were also working on a lot of digital media. So we had a lot of things like brewing and being ready to put out into the world. But our main focus was in-person workshops where we wrote in community and live events where we connected in real theaters and live spaces and made deep human connections that way. And so all of a sudden that has been um, eliminated. And I do think that even as we start being able to go back to work, um, I think it's going to be a long time before we can sit in a theater together again. So we also identified very quickly that um, our community counted on us to stay connected through storytelling and that people need connection so badly right now that we had to figure out a way to make our services still accessible. And so we've launched online programming now. Um, We will be releasing our documentary about mental health, our work in the mental health field called Vicarious Resilience. It debuted at the Woodstock Film Festival in 2018. Um, And by the time this comes out, we will have already had a community viewing and panel discussion, which you're going to be on, which I'm very excited about. So excited to join you. Yeah. The the second time, because we we had a screening in Rosendale. When was yep. that? That was, that was 2018 also. In 2018. Yep. And um, I got to join you for that panel discussion too. Yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, that was um, So I'm, I'm excited that we're going to be able to share it with our online community. It means that we can reach so far beyond the Hudson Valley with, um, you know, it's funny this time how it is both limiting mm-hmm. and expansive at once. Um, I think that's the experience of this isolation that so many of us are feeling on so many levels. And it's, it's interesting to me that the TMI project organization is feeling it in the same kind of way, but where we're, we're limited, you know, where we're isolated, we can't do the things that we would typically do. We can't go to these in-person workshops. We can't go to the theater to, to sit in and, and bask and take in all of these stories and feel connected to other others in humanity, but we can connect in these different, more expansive ways online. We can, we can access things. We can do. We can watch this movie. You know, you can share this movie, which is I, I don't even know how to start talking about vicarious resilience, except to tell people you need to watch it. It's it's really beautiful, and it tells the story of the TMI project through the lens of three particular participants, and it's it's um it's a really powerful and pr- profound telling of the work oh, thank you. that the TMI project does. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, one of the things that we noticed as we after we had taught for many, many years is that the the audience in the theater was seeing one story that was created as a result of going through the workshop. But the workshop leaders were the only ones who were getting the privilege to see this other story unfold. And that was what happens to people when they go through this process? Who are they when they walk in the door? And who are they when they step off stage? And they're not the same people. Um, People go through such an outrageous transformation over the course of their time going through the process and challenging themselves and being brave and facing things they were sometimes afraid to face. Sometimes they didn't even know they were there to begin with. They get uncovered through the process. Um, And so we really wanted to create something where we could share that story with our audience and let them see um, what happens behind the scenes. And so it does, it, it, it follows three of our, our participants who went through a workshop. Um, we will also have a bonus episode of the podcast that will share all of the full stories from the live event that accompanied that workshop. So if people watch the movie and they're interested in hearing the full stories, they can listen to the, the full theater event um, on the podcast, which is exciting to be able to share both. Um, And then, you know, we've also, we've started doing online workshops. And I I think I was hesitant to do that because I wondered if the online space could hold such an intimate connection for people and hold the work that we do. And so when we did our first one a few weeks ago, it was was a grand experiment. And thank goodness, it really, really worked. Um, We had all of our workshop leaders on. um, And what we did was we had people come to a main workshop space on Zoom and get acquainted and introduce ourselves and um, do some of the same things that we do in our real workshops, like share one thing that we can't tell by looking at you. Um, And then each workshop leader went into a breakout room and worked with a small group of people We did writing exercises together. People shared their work with one another. And it was really, um, it was really amazing the difference in the way people felt when they first joined us. Because, you know, we're all tuning in from these extreme places and extreme states of mind right now. And so to be able to tap into anything that just kind of helps us get through, that just takes, uh, I always think of like, um, letting a little bit of air out of a balloon that's about to burst can make all of the difference. It can make you capable of continuing to go on. And so I think that um, I've been thinking a lot about how for me and for the people that we work with, journaling and free writing and more curated crafted stories, um, creating those, both serve as really incredible tools for building resilience for different reasons. Um, they serve different purposes, but they're both really effective. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about this phenomenon of being, being in, being in isolation and the ways that stories and storytelling and crafting stories can, can support and help us to feel more connected? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, even just being in the, the small breakout rooms and, um, sharing our writing with one another. You know, I think that um, there are lots of ways that we can connect right now, but I think that we're really craving deep connection. We're all going through something that's so challenging that we need to be able to connect in meaningful ways. And so 
what we find is that if you, you know, we have guidelines for free writing. We set a timer. We um, tell our participants, don't let the pen stop moving. If you can't think of what you want to write next, write down, I don't know what I'm going to write next, because we want to keep the editor out of the room. This is the writer's time and for the writer only. Um, and we, we give people permission to do a really bad job for their first draft, that it's not supposed to be good writing. It's not supposed to be a well-crafted monologue for the stage. It's supposed to be a brain dump where you just get everything that you've been holding onto a piece of paper. And I find that, that if you prompt people in a certain way, they will share more than if you ask them questions. The pen hits the page and they will just um, really let go of a lot of things they've been holding on. And then if you say, who would like to read now, a lot of people are willing to share those things. So there's a different level of um, communication that happens when you're writing and sharing intentionally that way than maybe just in like a curated conversation where I think people really get to know each other um, faster, the connections that they make to one another are deeper. Um, and people just all expressed leaving feeling uh, like their spirits were lifted. And so, I'm imagining also that even those who choose not to share have a dual experience, even in not sharing. They're listening and taking in and feeling the connection of hearing what others are sharing. But they've also at least sat with and processed their own piece, even if they're not speaking it aloud. Oh, yeah. In fact, there was one woman in one of the groups who, who did not share. And she actually said, um, I don't feel like sharing tonight, but I just wanted to let everybody know that I've had my experience mirrored back to me. And so I really am leaving not feeling alone, um, <laughs> even though I didn't, I didn't share anything. Um, and that was just from listening. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's really true. What strikes me is that in times of massive stress and times of trauma, one of the things that helps us come out more resilient on the other side is creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that writing is one of those ways that we can embody and hold on to some of that creative life force so yeah. that it doesn't get stuck and stagnant inside of us. Yeah. I also think, you know, this, I think there's a time for the well-crafted, well-thought-out stories that we mm-hmm. share with the public. And there's a time for, um, a time and reason for journaling regularly. And I think that that now actually is a really important time to be journaling regularly and free writing regularly because we're holding on to so much and we're going through such an unusual experience that none of us have any experience with. And I know for myself, I'm, I'm looking for someplace to put all of that. What do I do with all of this? Okay. I can get it onto the page. Um, I don't need to make anything special or fancy about it. I don't need to use my brain to try to craft something eloquent or witty I just get rid of it. But also, I think that we are going to want to tell stories about this time um, once we get through to the other side, whatever that other side looks like. And I know for myself, I have a very hard time um, remembering details. Um, And so journaling is a way that you kind of create your own history book. Like you can then go back to all of those mornings that you wrote and see what you were thinking and feeling. Remember what you did that day. You don't have to just rely on your memory. So I think that there's, um, there's such a healing and practical purpose to writing, free writing regularly. 
can you can you give our listeners like a and I know I'm kind of catching you off guard with this a little oh, bit. It's okay. But could you give our listeners a, a little um, primer in terms of if, if someone doesn't have a daily journaling practice, oh, yeah. what would you recommend? Um, I would recommend. Uh, so I, I had, for the last few months, I had stopped journaling. I journaled a lot when I was a kid. And then I let it go. And when I started doing this work, surprisingly, I, I just felt like I'm writing too many other things. I'm too busy for that kind of writing. It doesn't serve a purpose. It's a waste of time. That is could not be further from the truth. So I just started in December writing every morning. Um, you know, there's that classic Julia Cam- Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't gone through that before, I highly recommend it. Um, but she suggests doing morning pages and her morning pages are exactly the same as our free writing, um, exercises. So what she suggests is writing three pages every day. What we do at TMI project when we're in a workshop is we set a timer sometimes for 10 minutes, sometimes for 20 minutes, depending on what kind of, um, time we're working with. But I think 20 minutes is a really good amount of time. It also, it kind of tricks your brain. So you don't think like, I've got to write for, you know, hours. I don't know what I'm going to do with all of that. That's too much pressure. But 20 minutes of writing whatever comes to mind is like a low pressure activity. And um, if you're trying to get into your own practice, I suggest doing it first thing when you wake up before your brain has even had a chance to process anything that's happening in the day and use it as a way to get rid of everything and clean things out. I almost think of it as like cleaning the kitchen before the day starts, you know, like you're, you're just cleaning out the mess so that you can have more space for other creative endeavors and to feel better. Um, I also have noticed in the last couple of months that I've been doing this, I understand myself more than I did before I started writing it. I was just thinking, uh, one of the storytellers that we feature in the podcast, Verna Gillis, says in the first episode, um, we live our life forward and we understand it backward. Oh, I love and that. Isn't that great? It's amazing. And she says, writing and storytelling helps me understand myself. Yeah. And I think that like there are things where I, I might be, hate, be behaving in a way that feels baffling to me that I don't understand at all. And I don't know why I'm acting like this. And if, I, if I'm in a daily writing practice, I start to get insights to myself that I couldn't access before. Mm-hmm. So I also just think it's such an interesting way to kind of slowly unravel um, your own issues and get more intimate with yourself. And, you know, the other thing I've just been thinking about is like self-care uh, practices work. They make you feel cared for. And so for me, that's one of them. Um, It's a practice that makes me feel like I'm taking good care of myself. Makes me feel nourished. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as the well-crafted stories that we share later, I think there's a whole different reason why those are so powerful. Um, I think those take a little bit more critical thinking. I think it takes a willingness to be curious about yourself and to be willing to investigate your side of the street um, and to find out why you did certain things a certain way and what can you learn about yourself and share with the audience. 
and then share about those things in a really brave way that makes you vulnerable and not perfect and, um, and reveal something about yourself. I think when you can do that and connect the dots, um, the people who are listening get a gift of being able to connect their own dots through hearing the work that you've done to be able to craft that story. I'm I'm so on board with you there. And there was one particular thing that you just said that I want to really amplify. The being able to tell the story in a way where where you don't have to be perfect, the the imperfections, Mm. those imperfections, you know, what what I find in, in my work as a therapist and especially as a therapist who helps people to, um, to work through a lot of developmental wounding, uh, mm-hmm. relational wounding, is that being able to, to sit in those imperfections, that we're all imperfect. That's, that's what defines mm-hmm. us as human. None of us have, are perfect in any way. Mm-hmm. And being able to, to sit in those imperfections is to be able to hold our whole self. It's to be able to integrate our whole being, that I don't have to take this part of me since it's not okay enough or good enough or whatever, or it's too bad or whatever, and put it over here because Mm -hmm. that part of me can't be accepted. When I can hold and welcome all of me for all I am, that's where I start to enter into a healing space. Right. This work really invites us not only to do for ourselves, but to share with others. And that's where the connection happens. Right. Right. Yeah. It's funny. One of the things that we say to people at the beginning of the workshop is, um, we promise that we will not allow you to get on stage and read your journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the reasons is because nobody wants to hear that. And, uh, you know, it's a place for your venting, right? It's a place to get it all out. But it's not necessarily a place where revelation happens yeah. or transformation or a really um, intriguing story with, uh, you know, challenges and conflict and stuff that makes you keep listening. And we want all of our storytellers to have the experience of being heard powerfully. Some people have never experienced that in their lives. And so even that being part of the healing experience is that we're going to help you craft a story that people are going to want to listen to from beginning to end, and you're going to have their attention and they're going to be captivated. That's part of what we want to promise people. But that requires having um, a little time and space between the story and the experience so that you can have the gift of perspective to be able to look back and say, Oh, I can see what I learned about myself from going through that, that I couldn't see while I was in the midst of it. Um, So I think that there's just interesting nuances about both things. Um, And I think that paired together, you know, when you, when you're using those things two together, it can become really a very, very powerful tool for healing and building resilience for getting through a hard time. And that's what we hope to be able to offer people right now is that we can increase uh, a feeling of resilience, take away a little bit of the pressure that they might be feeling getting through their daily lives, providing a little relief and making sure that we're, um, we're providing a service of offering deep human connection with people in a place that feels safe, even if it's, even if it's on zoom. Yeah. 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 And, and so, so that's now what, what TMI project is sharing with the world. We're sharing Mm -hmm. these online offerings that help people go into these really personal spaces that are, that can be incredibly connecting and Mm -hmm. that can serve this other purpose of helping to 
help us to negotiate and deal with this social isolation that we're all feeling. Yeah. So we're doing something new called the TMI Project Connection, which will be the third Thursday of every month at seven o'clock. Seven o'clock Eastern time. Eastern time. Yeah, Eastern time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, And we will feature one storyteller who I will be in conversation with and we'll talk and um, hear about what their experience was like what they went through in the workshop, how getting on stage and sharing their story changed their life after it was over. The storyteller will then read their story and share it with our online audience. And then I will take the audience through one short writing exercise. And what we do tell people in those short sessions when we do these little mini workshops online is think about the amount of space and time that we have together. And then you know, trust yourself to share the thing that feels like you can contain it here. You don't have to go to the deepest place in a one and a half hour workshop. You can share other kinds of stories that don't, won't end up leaving you feeling like you've exposed too much or got too vulnerable. And now you have this mess to hold on to by yourself. So we try to really contain it for people and create that context. But we also will be doing longer workshops where we meet regularly and take people through the whole process from beginning to end. And those usually are about 10 session workshops where, you know, there's an introduction to storytelling, the basics of storytelling, free writing exercises that we go through each time. Um, Really kind of diving into some other exercises where we explore themes a little bit more deeply. Crafting the monologue, editing and collaborating back and forth, coming up with the finished product, rehearsing for the show, and then we will have performances on Zoom as well. Amazing. Yeah, so our work is going to stay alive and uh, hopefully we will, um, my real hope is that we're gonna be able to provide a service that people really need right now. I know that even for myself, the way that I feel at the beginning of a session and at the end of the session is drastically different. And so it's also, it's giving, it's feeding my life life source of it as well to be um, executing them right now in this weird, weird time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's important to be part of the connection. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned before the film Vicarious Resilience. And, you know, I think in addition to people joining these online programs that you're offering now to be able to sit back in their own homes and watch this film, that mm-hmm. formerly was not available in this way yeah. um, is, is another gift that the TMI project is putting out into the world right now. And do you want to talk about that a little bit? Do you want to talk about this film? And Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited that we're able to share it with, um, with the world right now. You know, as we were saying before, like we're not limited anymore by geography. And um, when we had our first workshop, we had people from states all over the country who, who signed up and participated, people who had wanted to work with us for years but couldn't get to us. Yeah. Um, and so now we're so much more accessible. Um, we also, you know, one of the things that we were doing a lot of, almost everything we were doing prior to the pandemic was working with partner organizations. So for instance, the, the film, follows us through a 10-week workshop at the Mental Health Association of Ulster County. And we've been working with them now for eight years. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we were about to start our 16th 10-week workshop with them. 
Um, and so we, we work with people who have mental health issues. We don't require that people write about those things, but often people have never felt like there's been a space to talk about them before or to share those stories. And so they choose to, um, but, you know, we, we were mostly being hired by partner organizations to be able to offer services to their clients. And that is still a possibility. If the clients that organizations are serving are capable of um, participating in a workshop online, we have a whole offering of digital programs that we can offer um, that way still. So that's another option. If people see the film and they want to bring a workshop to their clients, we're capable of still doing that. That's um, so beautiful. Which is also really exciting because there have been organizations who've wanted to work with us before and, you know, travel budgets and putting us up in hotels and, you know, all of those things made it inaccessible, but um, we can do that now. So I'm hoping that in some way this, uh, this helps us get the methodology to more people who could benefit from it. Right. Which I know has been on your agenda for years. So yeah. it's, you know, it's not so much that, you're trying quickly to reshape this. It's that this has been part of the work that you've been working towards for a long time. And now there's this need for it and you're ready well, to bring it forward. And there's this opening to, you know, yes, we've been planting seeds for this for a long, long time. And, yes. you know, I kept wondering why is it taking so long? And it's interesting. It's like the timing works when the timing works sometimes for a reason, but um, yeah. yeah, I do feel like we were, we were ready to do this and we wanted to do this. And what was stopping us internally was that we were always prioritizing in-person events and workshops because that was where our work was. And since we're such a small organization, we couldn't be in back-to-back event planning and also roll out this new online program. So this has just kind of given us an opportunity to like have a breath to be able to do this thing that we had been planning on doing for a long time that just kept getting put on the back burner um, as other things took priority. So, so it's so important. Yeah. It's yeah, so, yeah. So important. Yeah. It's very, it's uh, obviously it's a terrifying time. It's an isolating time and it's also a rebirth and an expansive time and a time. I hope that I can remain curious about, um, all of the things that are going to be revealed as we keep moving through this. Yeah, as do I. Yeah. Eva, thank you so much for joining us. This has been oh. so rich. Can you let our listeners know where they can find out more about oh, the TMI project and find the film Vicarious Resilience and where they can join these workshops that you're hosting now online? You can find out about all of those things on our website, which is tmiproject.org. Um, there are links for all of the things you just mentioned, our online offerings, our film, um, our podcast. I hope that you'll subscribe and listen to the stories. It feels like it's a really good time to binge good storytelling. Um, and yes, I, I look forward to connecting with, with your audience. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the work you do in the world. Yeah. You too, Rebecca. A reminder, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. Learn more about my counseling practice, intensives, and our collective for therapists in private practice at connectfulness.com. 
This episode is brought to you in partnership with Coronavirus Online Therapy, a nonprofit organization with pending 501c3 status, whose mission is to deliver free or low-cost online therapy by licensed professionals in all 50 U.S. states to essential workers during the coronavirus pandemic. If you are on the front line seeking a referral, if you're a therapist who'd like to join the initiative, or if you're interested in volunteering or getting involved in another way, go to coronavirusonlinetherapy.org. Listeners often ask how they can support the ongoing production of the Connectfulness Practice podcast. Truly, the best way that you can is to simply subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to express deep gratitude for Sarah and Chris Ferris, the musicians behind the beautiful soundtrack for the Connectfulness Practice podcast, which was recorded and mixed at Kidneystone Studio. This podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, and copyrighted by Connectfulness Counseling. Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events.